Sundown, 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. Welcome back to the show. This is, honestly, I'm going to talk to Kellen Olson right now on the Colt Automotive Group Sports Line. Kellen, how are you doing tonight? What's up, man? Doing well. How about you? I'm, I'm doing great. It's a great weekend. I'm really, for all the years that we talked to you on this show, when the Suns couldn't string two wins in a row together, I'm, I don't know if there's anybody I'm happier for than Kellen Olsen, covering this team as closely <laughs> as you have. Now you got a team that's won nine out of ten, six in a row. They can beat everybody in the Eastern Conference, it feels like. What's, uh, what's been your biggest takeaway over like the last week or so with this group? Um, it's interesting that you framed it that way because it's it's been so big picture and long term that I, I think I've gotten kind of lost on the last week or so. I, I would just say that the Sixers win in particular, if we're looking at the last week, really stands out to me because I thought that the Sixers have the best record in the East and they really played like it in the first quarter, especially offensively or defensively. I thought the way Ben Simmons and that entire team defended Devin Booker especially was the best I've seen a team kind of uh, guard him and, and kind of phase him out of a game and to have him struggle. He started two of seven, and then the Suns just kept coming anyway. Uh, and then Booker just happened to make 12 of his next 16 shots and was awesome in that game. And, and they just wore down Philly, who's who's a really great team. And I think there are stretches that people will look at where there were higher peaks in their overall play. Uh, not overall play, rather, but just saying like the three to six minutes or whatever. But over the course of the entire game, I thought they were really strong in that game. And that was a uh, – I've seen so many instances like that where maybe the Suns didn't lie down necessarily, but they were on the opposite end of that where they were the, the team getting worn out by a really strong effort uh, by a great team. And they just matched it and, and then overpowered them at the end of the game, really. just felt like they wore them out, and that was – really impressive and starts to make you look at this team's ceiling and just what they're capable of a little bit differently. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that game up. I know Burns and Gambo had a poll question up of which win this season has been most impressive, and I think the Milwaukee one is what people voted for, but to me it's the 76ers one because the 76ers, I mean, that's that was their team. Milwaukee was missing Drew Holiday, and like you said, the Suns kind of were able to, to do whatever they had to do to win that game. Um, they have had a lot of good wins this season. We were talking about this in the first segment if the playoffs were starting tomorrow, is there a team at this point that you look at and say, ah, the Suns wouldn't have a chance against them in a best of seven? Or have we reached a point where, you know, even if you would pick, like, obviously you'd pick the Lakers over the Suns. Are, are there other teams where you're like, but even then the Suns still have a chance? I think that they've got a chance in every series when they have the two players that they have playing at the level that they're playing at, which is what's expected of them. It's not like, Devin Booker and Chris Paul are playing completely out of their mind right now relative to what's expected out of them. It's It's been what we expect out of them, which is like all-NBA, all-star kind of play. And so when you have two guys like that who can both close out a game and do so in different styles of play, I think that that's such a difficult thing to game plan for in the playoffs, especially when the game's on the line. And I think that you look at those two guys surrounded by shooting with a big man who demands a lot of attention – you can you can match up with anyone and, and test anyone. Now, in terms of teams that I would like thoroughly say for sure they're going to lose to, I think the Lakers, I can say that for anyone in, in the NBA. Uh, I just think that they're in such a horrifying form right now, to be honest, Luke, if you're looking at it from the perspective of any other team in the league. Because the thing is that their first halves now have basically become unwatchable. There are Lakers fans tweeting about, like, 
I'm just going to tune in for the third quarter because these guys just cruise through three quarters and then steamroll teams in the fourth. They had a game against, I believe, Denver a week and a half, two weeks ago, where they were down 15 at halftime, something like that, or with like a couple minutes left in the second, then all of a sudden they were up 25. Their their ability to just shift up a, a gear or two when necessary has just been frightening to see, and I don't think anyone's going to be able to compete with them this season if they stay healthy and everything goes according to plan there. But if you look at like the Jazz, the Clippers – the Nuggets, those types of teams, Portland, and so on. I do think that the Suns match up with them, and in some of those cases, I would even say the Suns would beat them. They were, uh, talking to Kellen Olsen, of course, of ArizonaSports.com. Kellen, they were 8-8 eight and eight on January 27th after that loss to Oklahoma City. And I remember talking to you, we were both kind of like, you know, you, you don't panic about this team because it's a different looking 8-8, eight and eight, but also it, it kind of wasn't making a lot of sense. Although they had just lost two games to Denver that went overtime and double overtime, and one of them shouldn't have even gone overtime. The Suns should have won probably in regulation. Either way, since that Oklahoma City game, the Suns are 9-1. and one. Is there anything specific that has flipped for this team? Uh, there are a couple of things, yeah, uh, that I wrote about on ArizonaSports.com, kind of previewing tonight's game against Brooklyn. Obviously, the play of Booker and Paul is at the top. Right now, they're both putting up all-star numbers over this stretch in the nine of their last ten games. And I think that Paul was the first guy to kind of figure it out and start to play like the way we expect him to. And then, and then Booker followed up and has been awesome, especially in the last couple of games, winning Western Conference player of the week and then in turn wouldn't you know it that's helped kind of solve their their crunch time woes uh when nba.com calculates what's considered uh clutch time crunch time whatever you want to call it they were minus 35 in in the clutch um prior to this stretch and then over these last 10 games five of those have had minutes in them that were deemed like in crunch time and clutch time whatever you want to call it they're plus 29 in those 19 minutes uh, over that stretch. So the, it, when games have been getting close, they've just been obliterating them. And that's what I've uh, talked about with you and in a lot of other places, just how great Chris Paul teams are in the clutch. And that has certainly carried over now to this part of the season. So those two things have kind of just really come together naturally for them. And then just kind of looking ahead, they're, they're finally healthy. I think that Frank Kaminsky has done a lot well for this team. But Dario Saric, who, who was good last year, looks even better this year. He looks fantastic. And then they've just got so much depth across the board where campaign getting back in there. Now you can rely less on guys like Kaminsky and more. And, and, and as a result, get more out of, out of them. Because I think at a certain point when you're asking for 25 minutes out of Kaminsky or 20 minutes out of more, maybe it's eventually going to backfire. But if you just ask for 10 to 15 out of them, you're, you're going to get what you need. And it's just going to be great for this team going forward. Yeah, I was going to ask you about Sharich and their ability to work some of these other guys in. Are you surprised they've been able to do that without it? It hasn't impacted them in the win column. I mean, are you surprised that they've been able to, to just kind of pull these guys back in seamlessly? And if if not, how much of that is Monty Williams? I've been partially surprised. that it, It's important that you kind of put it that way because I think that it might have been a bit too much to expect it to just kind of click into place so naturally. I think that's a credit to how well the players have come back. But Monty also deserves a lot of credit, too. And I think that when you hear something enough, like you can you can say that it's like cliche or like a narrative that's being driven or whatever. But all we heard in the training camp and in the offseason and all this kind of stuff is that everyone here has a professional attitude. They're all showing up to get their work done. We all know that we're ready and in our opportunities. And, and that's something Devin mentioned is that guys like Etuan and Frank, he knew that they were ready for their opportunity and they were going to take advantage of it and there wasn't going to be any slip-ups or anything there. And it just seems like everything from a 
like big picture structure in terms of their basketball operations has just really come together for them this season, especially. And, and again, that goes to Monty and James first. So uh, to answer your question in a longer way, yeah, I do think it goes back more uh, to Monty and he deserves a lot of credit for it. And if they, if they keep on this pace, I know the Jazz are going nuts right now, and Quinn Snyder's probably going to be favorite for Coach of the Year right now. But if the Suns keep up this pace, Monty Williams is going to make it tough for uh, Quinn to get that award. You know, NBA trade deadline's not for a while, but with the way the Suns are playing right now and the way everybody kind of just seems to be fitting in their roles, I mean, is there anything that you would want them to go out and add? And do you think having Chris Paul makes it easier to get guys if you go out and add them? I do think uh, yes to your second question, absolutely not to your first question. Is part of that the fact that things are finally going right, as you mentioned at the start, and I'm terrified of things going wrong by changing anything at all? (laughs) Probably. That's probably part of my thought process there. I'm not going to lie. But at the same time, you look at what teams like them tend to look to add, guys that are buying, teams that are buying at the trade deadline. Shooting is probably the number one thing. This team has a bunch of shooting. And if you look at just like little holes in their depth chart, okay, like maybe an extra guard, well, they have Etwan Moore. And if you look like, okay, maybe another wing, and they have Abdul Nader. You look at center and say, like, okay, maybe you need like another guy, maybe another stretch big. They have Frank Kaminsky. It, it, they, these guys that stepped up while the injuries were going down showed how impressive their depth is. And when you look at additions at the trade deadline, I don't really think anything makes a ton of sense. And when it took – I say when it took this long, but when it took 10, 15 games for you to figure out your chemistry, I think the last thing you want to do is really shake any of that up with a move. I I don't think that you have to start looking at this and saying, okay, like, can we go win a title this year? What move can we make to win now? I think that what you're doing right now is just is so important and really can't, um, can't afford to be kind of tinkered with and, and messed with because this is much more about, uh, winning this year and winning next year to set up these young guys in the next five to six years to really elevate this team. And that's when you start talking about potential like Western Conference finals appearances and titles and all that kind of stuff. Cause that's when book will be ready to do that on his own. Deandre will be much better. Mikel will be much better. Cam will be Jalen Smith will be involved in, and so on. They'll have the pieces to get there. Yeah. Last one. I want to ask you about Jalen Smith now in, in the G league. I mean, it's very early in his career. He's kind of had an up and down start and it hasn't really been his fault. It's just been weird circumstances, but where do you see him fitting in either this season or, or down the line? Yeah, it, it hasn't been his fault, and, and people feel like there just has to be one stone-cold opinion on something. Like, this can be a good and a bad thing. It's a good thing that he's going to the G League to get playing time. The factor is the factor there that has to be mentioned is that he gets the ankle injury after his second game of the season, is active for one game, and then immediately tests positive for COVID and misses another two weeks. And then by then, Frank Kaminsky is in there and, and all this other stuff, but the, the the bad thing is that they needed to send him to the G League in order to get playing time, but the good thing is they had to do it because he's the fifth-string center because all the other guys are playing so well, and they feel like they can rely on even someone like Damian Jones as the fourth-string guy to a certain extent. Frank has been played so well that some people were arguing that he should have played over Dario two to three games ago considering how well Dario played. So I think that that's kind of how the Jalen Smith uh, balance unfolds. I do think he's more of a center than a power forward. It's going to be interesting to see when he plays in the G League, when he gets little moments to play here and there later in the season, where exactly does the team put him at? Because I think he's more impactful there, but they also do want to play him a bit at the four. Kellen Olson, great stuff as always, man. Thanks for taking the time and enjoy the game tonight. Thanks, man. we Will do.